House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and of course I'm Al Warren, Mr. David Rose Martino. is <laughs> <laughs> uh, practicing on the side with his karate chops. That's right. Always. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm chopping down names <laughs> and adding and, and subtracting. Yeah. Yeah. Just I'll names. <laughs> All the names that you throw at me. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> I just kick them. It's a good serial killer name. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of, <laughs> speaking of serial killers, now, today we are talking to an author who's uh, written... Um, a couple of books, but I think we're we're focusing on a, a newer one, if I'm right. Um, it's called A Killing Rain, um, and uh, the author is Faye Snowden. Thank you for being here, Faye. Oh, thanks for having me. My pleasure. We'll see you at the end of the show if you say that. <laughs> I'm, beginning to, I'm beginning to realize that, yes. Yeah, yeah. I hope you got your seatbelt on. We're going yeah. yeah. Wow, so A Killing Rain, and I noticed this is centered around kind of um, a ruthless serial killer, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes you go to such a dark place in a book? Like what? It, it, and do you aim at that originally, or is this something that just happens as you write? Yeah, and this is a, a really, um, really kind of a, a strange story. Um, like a lot of people, I am a child of divorce, and I make no secret about that. I mean, it's just something that happens. You know, people hate each other, and then they divorce and move to different states and tell you you're going, you're going, tell you that you're going to Disneyland, which is not true. Um, I ended up in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, with my mom. Who there was a lot of acrimony there, right? She did not like my dad anymore. She hated him, and she um, she actually would disparage him to us. And I happened, and you know, and I I say this, and people just kind of gasp a little bit, and you know, how can I talk about my mom and dad like that? I mean, they were just normal folks who happened to hate each other. But she um, would disparage him a lot, and they looked a lot like my dad, so I took that personally. And the way I started the books was um, I started the books thinking, I wonder how much of the bad things she talks about as they relate to my dad, how much of those are in me, right, because I'm, I'm from him. And then I started th- talking about, well, and my dad's, of course, not a, a serial killer, but I was talking about, well, what about the daughters and the sons that have really bad dads? You know, what if their dads are criminals or um, serial killers? How would they feel um, going through life with that kind of literally hanging over their head? So that's the way my character, uh, Raven Burns, was created, um, thinking about how would a person whose dad was a serial killer, how would they navigate through life? And, and would they feel like they had things to make up? Would they feel like they had to prove that they were a good person? Um, and so uh, that's how the pair were, was born. Um, Ray, uh, Floyd Burns is the ruthless serial killer um, who's sensed, and this is not a spoiler, he's, he's dead, but he has had such an influence on his daughter, Raven, who decides to become a homicide detective, that she kind of carries a piece of him around in her head as she goes through her life. So, well, to make a long not, story long. Well, at least she's not carrying a body part with her. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that, you see, that, that, that always interests me in fiction writers, of how you can kind of get in the mind of, of, let's say, a serial killer, or in this case, the daughter of one, uh, how do you decide how Raven is going to deal with it? Like, how do you make it so that it's real? Because, you're, you know, your dad's not a serial killer, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. So in that case, who do you look for? Or who do you research? Do you go out and find someone that's really done this and kind of try to find out what the reactions were? Or is this something that you can just dream up yourself? That, and, and as a, that is such an interesting question. I know that um, it was a, I don't know whose daughter it was, but someone's daughter did write a book about being the daughter of a serial killer. I thought about like checking that out a little bit, but I didn't. I'm a firm believer that everybody, all of us, are capable, right, of doing 
dark and demented things. And I think that there's like a dark place in all of us. And for me, I hope li- <laughs> fans of Minority Report maybe <laughs> my ball is about to drop. You know, go get her. Um, I think that um, that's where I went. I just went to that dark place that we all have, and then it just came from there. And then you couple that, I think, with fear, for example, and, you know, thinking that you know, just couple all that together, all the fear and anxiety we have in our society, and you... You know, you can, um, you can, you can get there, and that's how I got there with Raven. I don't know. I never know from one minute to the next what. And I know this sounds really kind of, you know, authory to say, but I really don't know how she's going to turn out. Right. The goal of the four books is at the end of the series, which is based on Earth, Wind, Fire, and um, I'm forgetting one, water, rain. she's going to, the end of the book, the reader is going to understand exactly the type of person she's going to become. So I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, do we need to look in Shreveport? Maybe, Dave, look up Shreveport. See how many serial killers there Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, were you, were you out there actually kind of maybe testing the water? <laughs> Exactly. You, you get you get the real knowledge. You get out there and do it, and it's like, well, that's what it feels. <laughs> I mean, I don't I, I don't know because the darkness that I feel isn't really based around um, serial killing. Well, well, just think about the fascination, and I know you've written books and done <laughs> studies on serial. Just think about the fascination with serial killers, right? But for me, that fascination is I have always been really gobsmacked about the things we as human beings will do to each other. I mean, right. terrible, terrible things. As societies, as governments, as, you know, you know, citizen to citizen. And to me, the serial killer space is the microcosm of the very dark side of our society. So that's why I've always liked, you know, researching and you know i don't I, you know I, I know about them I, like a surface knowledge but i don't know like a, a, a lot i mean i can name them but i don't get really down into the nitty-gritty details but that is why i like writing about a serial killer and i think if i'm not my under I, I, my understanding is that serial killers are uniquely american Phenomenon, is it? Well, no, it isn't. It isn't at all. But, okay. uh, you know, people think it is. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a particular type of ser- uh, person that kills in America. The serial killers tend to be slightly different. Mm-hmm. But it's not It's not better or worse. So, you know, in Germany, quite often, their serial killers um, eat their victims. It's a very, it's a, like a 70% norm, whereas that's not a norm in the U.S. I think what's specific about the U.S., yeah, is the mass shootings and the killings, like the school shootings and the club shootings and all that. That's something that typically doesn't happen in other countries and not to the extent. So, but, Interesting. Yeah, but, but for sure, um, they do have their own style. <laughs> 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 you, know, you know, their own fashion sense. Um, Lederhosen. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, you know. What what struck me as interesting is you were taking it from a child of a killer, which it you know, that that um question has been brought up to me lately in the last in the last year and I've been addressing this quite quite a bit on what would you do if someone you knew you found out was a serial killer? Like, how would you react, and what? how would you treat that person, and what kind of, how would that change your relationship, or would it? When you brought the daughter into it, I think that's that's going to cover a lot of that ground. I'm saying it's because everything she's, how she lives her life, like she's a detective and she's getting into all this stuff, a lot of that is centered on her dad being this person. Yes, yeah. So, so I just wonder how much, when you don't know something, and find out, or how much when you know. It's just it's just an interesting sort of thought. So you must be, in a sense, a lot of you must be in this character, Raven. Yeah, as tough as she is, you know. I, <laughs> um, but I I think there's some, especially when I was younger. I mean, you know, growing up like that, you know, with you know parents fighting over each other. Are fighting over your head. You just, you know, cynicism, anger, um, just, you know, you, you, you I'm like, a, 
be a rule follower. If I found out, though, that someone in my family was a serial killer, it would, it would really depend. If it was my kid, first of all, I would be extremely surprised. But um, that, you, that unconditional love, I think, would kick in where you, you know, you're, you know, I sound like somebody who just, like, forgot their homework. I'm very disappointed in your behavior, but I will always love you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it depends on how close that person was to me. And, um, and then what the, I think I would still, even if they were proven to be, like, a sociopath or whatever, I would probably treat them as a sick person, not necessarily as someone that I would never want anything to do with. You know, I understand the victims. I mean, I would, oh my gosh, that would just break my heart in two. And for myself, I would feel like, how did I bring that into this world, right? You know, I'm, I would feel in some ways responsible. Is yeah. that? <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think we know how to deal with it, but that, that question of a serial killer being your son or daughter. You know what I mean? Like we don't know what to do. We don't, do we? And I think, and I, um, Al, I think, that, I think the reason that, and I hear I'm going to get really deep, and you guys can bring me out of this if you want, and sort like that. But I think that's because we think that we're, you know, at our heart, I think that we don't, as a society, especially in American society, we're always living with that duality anyway, since all through history. But you've got to, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, you've got to understand and embrace your dark side. You've got to know that, yes, in some circumstances, I would be able to go there. So if you know that that's within you, then you know how to deal with it. You know how to control it. You know how to keep it distant from what I think is your, you know, the, that's the real you. you but... You know, this because we don't acknowledge it, right? We want to, you know, we want to be the people that are on Leave It to Beaver and, uh, you know, coming out with the um, apple pies and the villains we need are just Eddie Haskell. I, I know those are references that not your whole audience will understand. But I'm just talking, yeah, but that's not, you know, just, just you've got to be able to look at yourself in a realistic and holistic way so you can um, make the choices that are you, right? That that fit your moral compass. Yeah. Well, during this process then, did you find yourself um, waking up in the middle of the night all freaked out and, and mud on your shoes and blood on your hands? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, all this process of getting to know your dark side, I wonder if, you know. Maybe. No, no. Because yeah, no, I I didn't. I I, and I was telling some my, my a friend of mine that um, from the time that I was little, I have had nightmares every single day. I mean, every night I go to bed, I, there's a nightmare. And um, when I got when I met my husband and I was we were getting married, I told him that I said I he, we were talking about dreams and I said, oh, I have nightmares every night. He goes, he goes, you know, that's not normal. And I'm like, really? That's not normal. He's like, no, it's not normal. So um, I, you know, I there's there's not a lot that scares me in movies and fiction, and and I think because I don't know why. That's a good question, but I, I don't get I don't scare easy, and and I don't and you want to embrace your dark side. I I don't think I need to go out and actually experience it to write about it and and imagine and explore it. There's nothing better. Yeah. <laughs> for some people, for your list, right? If you have a list, it may not be, it may not be better. Well, do you do you pull from uh, your nightmares and dreams and stuff to uh, create fiction? Yes, mostly short stories. Sometimes I feel like I'll, I'll go to sleep and I'll have a nightmare, and I wake up and in the morning there's a short story there for me to write. This is going to be a four book series, you were saying. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, are you are you already kind of outlined and you kind of know where it's ending no um no like i don't even know like the next book okay i hope my editor's not listening to this um <laughs> i was kind of playing around with somebody yesterday i go oh it's, it's all ready to go i have it all edited and i've, I've got that written down you know, in my head it's not written on paper <laughs> so um no i don't i don't i don't know i i don't um I don't know how she's going to end up, right? Because every book, she's going to make a decision. There's going to be one decision that's going to take her along either the wrong path or the right path. 
and right now she's already made two decisions that, that is looking like the wrong path. But I don't know what the next two books are going to bring. Wow, that's interesting because you've got it. Then how do you know it's only going to be four books? Maybe it'll be five. Oh, when I was conceiving of a series, I wanted to do something. You know, you have to do it's a little bit gimmicky, but um, it's based on Earth, uh, water, fire, and air, the four elements. So since there are only four, I'm keeping it. <laughs> what, what about what about liquor? <laughs> liquor. <laughs> Isn't that the fifth element? Yeah, the fifth element. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you mentioned the elements. Is there is there kind of um, an occult connection to the serial killer? Is that uh, what the element connection is? Um. No, I think that I've also. Good God, people are gonna, they, somebody is going to come get me. <laughs> yeah, they're on the way. So. <laughs> the first book is called A Killing Fire because I have all, and I didn't know this until my sister, when she saw the book, she goes, I knew you were going to write a book about fire because you've always been overly fascinated with fire. <laughs> I'm like, really? She goes, yeah. So when I say, when I, the first book was A Killing Fire, I'm like, I don't want to write this series forever. I, I'm not the kind of writer who can pump out, you know, 20 books in a series. I wanted to kind of limit it and give myself an end, and so that's why I said, okay, fire, okay, next one will be water, and that's why I decided I wanted to do, like, um, just the elements. Well, you know, liquor should have been there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And and I see this, like, so when you're talking about your character, Raven Burnsbutt, and the situation she's in and and her father and all this stuff, and you're putting it together... um, I, I kind of think, do you have do you have an actual point? Because when you started the book, you probably what you probably asked yourself a question about the character, mm-hmm. you know, and like what, kind of what you want it to resolve. I, I, so were you hoping that that's what you you got across to people as well, like as a subtext of a of a kind of a point to the story? Yeah, and I, I'm sorry to do this to you guys. Yeah, it was a subtext, and the subtext is kind of heavy. So, um, so, like, so for example, Raven's got a lot of problems. She's flawed, right? Um, she does a lot of stuff that normal people would not necessarily do. Well, you don't know I'm, Dave. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, but she's doing the stuff because she wants to prove that she's a good good person and she wants to prove that she's worthy and that she wants to prove that she's worthy of humanity right because of what she witnessed and kind of participated in a little bit when she was a kid because she would lure victims for her dad when she was like a toddler i mean when she was little so so that so she's got all this guilt and she's trying to prove she's a person i happen to think that you you'll never be successful trying to prove to someone that you're human, right? First of all, the person that you're trying to prove it to has already made up their mind. And second of all, you have nothing to prove because humanity, when you're born, you get that. That's something, that's like table stakes. You get humanity, you're a human. Um, and the reason I said it like that is that when, you know, being an African-American woman and I was I started off in the Navy, um, working with men. I worked with some mariners. I had a, like a really weird kind of um, rate that I was in. And then I've been in information technology all my life, you know, being an African-American woman, um, sometimes in leadership, the only uh, black woman there. I did kind of do things to make myself more acceptable to people to kind of prove that I could, I, I, you know, I, I could be in the room. And I guess, I don't know what happened, but I... <laughs> Maybe it was age. When when it, I think I turned like fifty, and I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of done with that. And so I don't, you know, I don't do with that. I don't like, um, you know, I, some things you have to do just in order to be effective in your communication, right? So if I'm talking to someone that maybe um, you need to uh, maybe question more than direct, then yeah, I'll change my communication style. But I'm not going to change anymore anything about me being a black woman, right? I just I'm tired of it. So what I was trying to get across, like, I don't straighten, I mean, and, and I, I, you know, hands down respect to anybody, do anything you want with your hair, but I choose not to straighten minds, for example. But, um, so one thing uh, with Raven, what I want to get across is, is that she's on the wrong path, right? She, you don't, you don't have to prove that, right? You just need to live your life the best way that you can and do the best that you can. And that's what I'm trying to get across. 
I don't know if people are going to know, you know, get that or not, or... Anyway, that's a long answer. Well, no, it's, it, it's kind of interesting to always hear kind of what you hope people take away from the book. Right. I mean, you know, it's, uh, and if they didn't get it, well, they know now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if they still don't understand, then too bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I would never straighten my hair either, but I don't have any. <laughs> so yeah. that's, you know, that's just not going to happen. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, so, was there a reason you decided to tell this story for your own sake? I think that, yeah, I wrote that story, like, um, I think, like, 2017, when I conceived of her, um, and then 18, 19, got published in 2019, I believe. I think I was probably struggling with some of that stuff myself, right? You know, um, am I going to continue this, you know, this code switching, you know, and in the big business, there's all this stuff about authenticity, or am I gonna, I, I think I would, and then that, you know, as you, after you get a certain age, and your parents get up there, my mom's since passed away, you know, you ask yourself, you know, how much am I gonna carry, you know, carry some of the, the load, and, you know, and resentment, and that type of thing toward an aging, aging parent, and stuff like that, and I think I was asking myself a lot of those questions when I wrote, and how, how she came to be kind of, you know, a lot of people say writing is therapy. I don't, I don't want to go that far, but like just kind of explore things on paper. Um, because I found out a lot of things when I, my sisters read the book, they said, Oh, you put that in, you put in the book that time that, da, 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 da. and I went, that happened. Went, oh yeah, that happened. We remember we were leaving with that, the house with the big tree by it. I'm like, no, I don't remember that. But things like that didn't make it oh, yeah. that had yeah. to do with fire. <laughs> but, yeah. So you're you're having blackout memories with fire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so okay, so let me say, up in the middle of the night with mud on my shoes, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're starting to we're starting to put pieces together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll get some help to you soon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, well, it's just always, there has to be some sort of therapy to it in a sense if you're kind of writing out things. Because even if you didn't didn't publish a book, if you're writing it down and you're thinking about it, you do work through it. And and you come out the other end kind of having, um, having felt kind of some of your thoughts and answering some of your questions. So in a way, that is kind of an achievement, kind of in a therapy in a sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's, it's a good process. So how do you see your characters? And, and I ask this with respect, though it sounds silly, but do you hear them, to see them, oh feel them? Like where, where is this situation for you? How do you de- work with your characters? It is so funny. Um, and then I know that I am going, I am sincerely, when I say this, people are going to think that I'm, I'm very, um, that I need help. <laughs> My good characters, they come to me whole. Was it like Athena springing out of Zeus's head? Um, and Floyd, who is the villain, that's Raven's father, actually, to me, kind of showed up, sat down, and started talking to me. And he's wearing this white suit with fedora with a peacock feather, and I could tell he was crazy as a bag of cats. <laughs> he was crazy <laughs> as a bag of cats from the beginning. Um, and that's how he came. And the books that I wrote before this, I did Romantic Suspense. My protagonist came to me like that. He just started talking in my ear. Some characters, though, they you do have to work on them, right? You do have to explore who they are, what their likes are. You have to do, like, a character study and a character analysis. So I have to do that with a lot of secondary characters. But if I'm lucky, my characters will come to me, you know, already conceived. Wow, and they're talking to you in your ear. Yes. <laughs> I, they talk to see, but I have my hand on my ear and my, you know. <laughs> right, right. And uh, do they, it happens they, to me, too. <laughs> yeah, well, and they talk to you while you're driving? Just... <laughs> no. Um, sometimes. I'm just kind of laughing because the first time I heard the audio book of A Killing Fire and the, um, the narrator did Floyd's voice, I almost wrecked. I mean, she was so, I mean, I had to like, I had to like, I, and, it, and that did scare the bejesus out of me. <laughs> When she did that, so <laughs> have your characters uh, 
ever done anything? I mean, it seems like they, they have surprised you, but I'm, I'm wondering if they've like ever rebelled against uh, the plot of your book. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I used to say no, and I used to say, you know, oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but I think that when I'm writing, things take a turn that I didn't expect. So that happens more than the characters rebelling um, against me. Mm. Yeah. So now you you have dreams, you have blackouts, and you hear voices. It's, it's, See, you're learning this a lot. This is terrible. This is terrible. <laughs> this is great. This is great. But I this am is, a nice person, though. Al. Yeah. Hold on, get, Dave. Get Doctor Phil on the line. <laughs> let's let's get some help here. This is beyond what we can help here. I have him on speed dial. Yeah. Get, get Phil. We need help, Phil. We don't know what's going on. Um, well, no, that's great. But at the end of the book, when you finish one of these books, um, did you ever look back or and kind of see things in it that you um, didn't realize, or did, did you learn something about yourself when you go through a process of a book? Yeah, I, I want to say no, but I know I'm just not thinking about it enough. I, I'm pretty sure I did. I tell you one thing I learned. I learned that I can write a book. That's what I Because <laughs> when I'm starting that book, I'm like, there's no way this is going to get done. I don't. And then when I finish the book, I go, wow, I just wrote a book. I have no idea how I did that. That's probably <laughs> what I learned more than anything. Well, and, and uh, you, well, you probably learned how to cover up the, the murders. Yeah. Oh, about, yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you know what? Uh, this is going to get me into trouble, but um, yeah. Casey White and, uh, you know, the the, 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 that, the the couple that just went on the run. Yeah. And they got caught. And the, the oh, guy yeah. sounded like a real jerk, right? He needs, to, he needs to pay for what he's done. But I was thinking to myself, oh, well, there are so many ways that could have worked. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, it's like, why did you do this and why did you do that? Why didn't you do the other thing? Yeah. So, but it's uh, never going to turn out good, you know, and, and just oh, like the no. Danamora one. You must know it's not going to turn out good. Right. Especially when you're in that business. Yes. You know, yeah. Right? At the end yeah. of the day. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, in a way, I feel sad for the prison guard because she must have, in the back of her mind, knew that this is something she needed to do, even though she knew it wasn't going to end good. Yeah, not the way they, not the way they did it, right? I mean, it, right. I wondered if it was a spur-of-the-moment thing or, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I think it was pretty planned. She had sold her house. Oh, yeah, that's right. firing in a week. She had three cars, so she kind of had a, an idea. But you have to know at the end of the day and in your mind after being in that business so long that, it, you know, it's it's going to end in fire and death. Mm, that's but, sad. But it was worth the trip, I guess, is what I'm saying. In her mind, she must have thought this is something that she's always wanted. Mm -hmm. And she just did it. And that's great in a sense. But it's sad that you have to put yourself through that and have and know that it's going to end badly. You know what I'm saying? Like you kind right. Of, you're willing to deal with that kind of an end. Yeah, and that's a, a kind of story that would, you know, is like rich for exploration, you know, if you can, you know, explore that. Why yeah. That, yeah. I think that would be an awesome story. So you get on that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be waiting. Hey, yeah. You're the true crime, though, right? That, that's oh. waiting for you. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I can't tell you. I know. I I don't think I could handle that. You know, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, that's it's not it's not it's that's not for me. So where do you want to see yourself go in time? Like you know, after these four four books are done. You know what? Uh, as a, as a, an author, I've been in this business like ninety nine from two thousand seven. I was publishing, and then I had to deal with teenagers, which I. And I, you know, I have to quit. I have to choose either my job or to continue to write and publish. Um, so, and then I got back in the business around 2000, like I said, um, 17, published in 2019. I used to, when I first started writing, I had that Stephen King dream, right? That mm. I was going to put my book out there. And then all of a sudden I was going to get a phone call. 
and somebody's going to say, we're going to give you a $250,000 advance because you're so talented and you're going to be rich beyond your wildest imagination. And mm. yeah. Um, but since then, I've thought about it and I've been pretty lucky in my life um, with the family that I have and, you know, the life that I have that I don't think I, I want that. I mean, that would be nice, but I don't have to have that. I think what I want to be able to do is continue to write and be read. Um, like a lot of people say that, oh, my goodness, you know, I, I, I'm a writer. That's what I am. I'm going to write, but I don't care if anybody never reads me. But that would drive me crazy. I want people to read what I write. So if I was uh, able to publish um, and people read my writing, that, that's good for me. Wow. Um, yeah, and that's, that's a really good attitude in a sense because then you'll be writing um, good stuff. You know, it's going to have meaning. Mm-hmm. Right, you're not just doing it to try and be keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, or keep up with a contract of, you know, they give you a quarter of a million dollars, so you feel the pressure to do a certain amount of sales. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's a better attitude. How do you, how do you deal with um, readers and being in the public? Then are you are you okay with social media's complete? Um, let's say um, it's it, it you know anybody in the in the country or even the world has access to you sort of yeah i'm okay with that um you know 10 15 years ago i wouldn't have been because i was like i said i was in that moment where i was hiding i had this very bright line between my private and public persona and since i've uh, you know matured that you know i'm just me all the time so i really try not to um you know, to kind of create some persona that I want out there, you know, or, or rap or whatever. So um, that doesn't bother me too much. What does bother me is the vitriol on social media and, the um, you know, the attacks and the, um, you know, that type of thing just kind of gives me pause. Um, you know, whatever, am I ever going to say something that, uh, you know, uh, you know, offend someone or hurt somebody or whatever? I'm, I always believe that you, <laughs> here I go again. Um, <laughs> here she goes again. I always believe that you, if you, you know, try your, lead with kindness and try your best. And then, you know, if you do that, then hopefully you won't, you won't find yourself in those situations. So. And be yeah. honest, right, and authentic. And if you can't be authentic, don't put it on social media where the world can see it. Because eventually somebody's going to come back around and find out, hey, that ain't her. <laughs> Let me tell you about her, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens to me all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, so, well, that's, that's interesting. So do you, do you take criticism or reviews seriously then? I don't read my reviews. Oh, you're I one do of those. Not. Yeah? And yeah. It, and you're not even curious? Um, I am really curious sometimes, but um, the review business these days, um, I would read a review like if somebody says, um, you know, like a magazine or something like that, I may, or I may ask my husband to read it, but I, and he'll tell me if it's good, and then he'll give it to me. I'll read good reviews, but just all this <laughs> stuff going on with Goodreads, and, you know, I, I don't, I, because good, Somebody wrote somewhere that good reads is where authors go to die. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, that is the truth. Yeah, I, I don't I don't read reviews. It's I guess so I'm not an author. I do well on good reads, so I don't know what Do you go to do you read your reviews? <laughs> uh not so much anymore, but the first years I used to. But now I, I go there and I just kind of look. Okay, well, 800 reviews, you got about a four star out of five. And then I'm thrilled. Overall, that's great. If I can pull off a four out of five with 800, 900 reviews, I'm thrilled. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't need to know these little, I don't need to go into it and go, well, you know, because it's the same old thing. You get, you know, first you get this five star, this is the best thing I ever read. And then you get a one star, this guy yeah. couldn't pass grade 10 English. So. <laughs> You know, it, there's these extremes, and, and I don't know, instead of putting myself through that high and low, I just kind of look at the overall. So if, mm-hmm. if you've got a whole group of people that think overall you, you it's a pretty good book, then great, I'm thrilled. If I got a three-star, I'd be thrilled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, I, yeah. I, I think it's too easy to give away five stars, because I think there's some incredibly gifted writers out there that deserve four and five stars, and I'm not one of them. <laughs> so readers, just listen. 
Don't <laughs> just remember ahead of time. Don't go into it thinking you're getting a five star here. <laughs> That's those expectations. I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I think I do. You know, the thing is too. Again, I've learned that the more I pay attention to that stuff, I think the worse my writing would get. Because, yeah. You know, I'm thinking, oh, they're not going to like this, or they're going to like this, or I shouldn't say this, you know, and that's kind of, I think that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And that brings up, do you worry about being politically correct? Because it's so touchy right now that um, even people like me constantly get um, mails and, and people saying how, how un- insensitive I am, and, mm-hmm. and it's not, re- you know, I love people as long as they're not in my house. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I don't, I don't understand. Like, uh, people are really, sometimes they're really on edge. And uh, do you, So do you worry about presenting some sort of characters or some sort of conversation between people in your book that might be a little bit I'm, offensive? I'm, I'm sensitive to it. Um, I, I just feel like, uh, for me, I just, I'm trying to be humble and then realize that I do have a lot to learn, um, especially by certain aspects. Um, and I, and I go out of my way to learn them. Um, so for example, I'm with, uh, I'm part of Sisters in Crime. I'm like their, their national secretary and we have this huge, um, diversity initiative in order to, uh, to kind of educate members of Sisters in Crime about, um, you know, uh, justice, equity, inclusion, and belonging, you know, not just the words, but what they really mean. What does that mean to someone reading your book? Because there's nothing like reading a book and coming across a line or two to tell the, because I, I have that experience more than once in my life, even when I was a teenager, and you're reading your favorite author, and you come across this one line which reminds you, oh, yeah, this book isn't for me. Or he, this book wasn't written with me in mind, or or even considering that I existed, right? And you know, I've come across those lines before, and it's very hurtful. And I continue reading because I love the author. But um, so what I try to do with my work is I kind of look for that. Um, I'm in this way of continuing uh, continuing education. I mean, just because I'm, you know, people think, oh, you're you're you're, you're black. That means you know all about this diversity. I'm like, look, I'm a student, just like we all are, right? Um, sometimes I make mistakes. I'll apologize for those mistakes, but I'll, I'll um, and give you my commitment that I'll try my best to do better. Um, and that's how I try to approach it. And it's not like a, a blame game or it's not like you're trying to make somebody feel bad or anything like that. I don't believe in, in shaming people either. No. That makes no. Sense. Yeah, because I think it's about intention. You know, if someone's mm-hmm. intentionally being rude or mean or putting someone yes. down, then, then, yeah, then that's bad. Yes. If, if someone does it and they don't realize it and and they're open to being correct it so to speak or to say do you realize what you just said can hurt this person yeah. i think that's fine i think there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that i don't quite get the anger behind some of it but um you know we're all just trying to can't we all just get along isn't that what you always say dave oh yes <laughs> <laughs> or, or can't we all just talk to each other yeah because <laughs> well, yeah, i don't i don't quite get the um that you know, I mean, it, it, either either you're on board or you're not. So, yeah, you know. and that's where yeah. leading with to me, you know, leading with kindness, and and that, I think that'll get you out of a lot of a lot of the stuff that I find. <laughs> I see people in on social media because I'm thinking, why would you why would you post that? <laughs> what yeah. made you think that was a good idea? Yeah, you know? yeah. Some of it's crazy. Some of it I'm not sure, but it's. I think a lot of it is there's a lot of people in a lot of pain for different reasons. Yes. And, and they're just letting out some of that steam, some of that anger, and it might not even be real. It's just something to vent, I guess. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know. So who who are your influences? And they don't have to be writers. Like, who do you... Who do you oh, my God. What does Faye do to relax and, and kind of recharge and kind of get... <laughs> You know, is, 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 do you go out skiing? Do you watch movies on Netflix? Do you uh, play tennis? Like, what what is it? I listen to um, I listen to a lot of music. Um, 
I Motown, I, and I like karaoke, but I can't sing a lick. Um, I have a big old <laughs> karaoke machine that I take out to the patio and just totally, I, you know, I totally uh, uh, annoy my neighbors. Um, <laughs> what is a dog barking <laughs> I like doing that. Um, the people that have an influence on me, I was telling my husband, I've always loved those artists that are not only known for their craft and what they do, but their work ethic and how hard they work. So that's got to be, you know, the, the master, Stephen King. Um, I'm looking at a picture right now. Um, he actually has his hand out to me saying, come on in, the water's fine. Above my desk, that's my Bruce Springsteen. I love Bruce Springsteen. Um, I like another one that I, the artist that I believe that uh, has that, all the, all the mission, the craft, the integrity, the work ethic, is uh, Stevie Nicks. I love her. And then, um, of course, you've got Maya Angelou. She's on the other wall. Josephine Baker and Toni Morrison and just Ella Fitzgerald. I mean, all that. I, those people, like, um, they, they get me going. So that's, mm, <laughs> that's yeah. what I like. That was very inspirational. You've got my books, too, right? There. Oh yeah, there's one right next to me. <laughs> oh please, she's got, she's got them in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. We don't with, take good books into the bathroom. Now. Yeah, Not yeah. National books. Enquirer magazine and Al Warren's books. <laughs> That's where I keep it all. Oh, I tell you. Well, so. Um, so what's next? So you've got this book out now. When do you, when, how long does it take you to do one of these books? Oh, it takes me about eight. Um, that one actually took me about eight months when I'm working. And it was during the pandemic, too. Hmm. Did that yeah. affect you? That Like when you're writing during all that crazy stuff outside? I mean, I know it gives you more time and you're more centered. You're at home and you can, I guess there's more time to write, but... Knowing that there's all this crazy stuff going on outside of your house, does that sort of get in? It did. It did. I, had to, I actually had to ask for extensions to the deadline a couple times, and I felt awful because I have never missed a deadline. Um, so that happened, and then uh, you know you have to deal with people around you that have passed away or died because of it, and that wasn't. And then my um, my stepmom died. You know, some awful things happened in the in the middle of all that. So um, it wasn't of COVID, but yeah, and it affected my concentration. I couldn't. I, I had the attention span of a gnat. I could not concentrate for anything. Wow. So yeah. 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 No, it affects different people differently. I, I've heard all sorts of answers. So you know. Mm-hmm. It's a strange time, you know. And plus, it must you know it takes your time going out to those anti-mask rallies and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I've never been to one of those. <laughs> you know what? I don't know. I'll probably, but it's like, you know, you got, you know, doctors and scientists and everybody's telling you things. And then instead you listen to, you know, Cousin Carla Joe. That, you know, so <laughs> I'm like, I love you, Cousin Carla Joe, but I'm, I'm kind of going to go with this guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, they got they got their doctorate in natural path, you know, and they tell you to use lavender oil or a Jesus path. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it all, and mm-hmm. hey, you know, that's what we're dealing with. So mm-hmm. that's what we've got. Wow. So that's interesting. So how do people find you? Like um, the ones that want to get you involved in their rallies and stuff like so do you have like a website now or are you running with social media what's your favorite one that people can follow yeah. you yeah yeah i'm not my website is www.facenoden.com um face spelled all together i'm also on twitter that's where i spend most of my time i hang out a lot on twitter um i think well, my handle is Faye underscore snowden there's another face Snowden out there, so if you type Faye Snowden, that's not me. The one in Virginia, though, that's not me. So it's Faye underscore Snowden, and then um, I am on Facebook if you if you you're so inclined. But I do do most of my posts on Twitter. Well, everyone, find that other Faye Snowden and let's complain. Let's, let's report her for doing something. We'll get rid of her, okay? So, so that'll take care of that. We want no competition. <laughs> And, of course, we'll have you up on the website. People can find you with one click when they're listening and, you know, have at her, you know, and uh, only give good reviews. Don't bother, you know. Yeah. You know, you don't like it. Right. Yeah, you can either, you can either you know, tell a fib, lie, if you don't yeah. like it. That's okay for this. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you don't like the book, just put it in your bathroom, then move on. <laughs> Please don't take my book in the bathroom. <laughs> we don't. We don't need to hear you know any of this other stuff. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's crazy. You know, you never outline. You're just by the seat of your pants. Oh, I'm glad you clarified. Um, I I write the bones down. And then I put the flesh on the bones as I'm going through the story. So I know my crime. I usually know who committed it. But I did characterization to such an extent last time that I fell in love with my killer. And I didn't want that person to be a killer, so I changed it. Oh. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, no, not this person. I like yeah. them too much. Well, you could have different endings. Different yeah, endings. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and and so, so this this Canadian boy here. What is a Southern Gothic tale? Like, what is Southern Gothic for a Canadian? Help, help, help my, my tribe out. What is that? I am so glad that you asked, because a lot of people, even people that write Southern Gothic, don't understand <laughs> what it is. So Southern Gothic is a tradition um, where you are, you're writing about an area that are a place um, that is uh, – it has that duality in it, right? So, like, for example, William Faulkner, um, he could be called the double, um, the, the, the Southern Gothic of, uh, um, the, the past, you know, one of the forefathers for American fiction. But it's basically, it has the, the tropes, in, including, like, um, you know, the, the corruption of the land. Um, usually there are supernatural things that happen in the book that can't be explained, um, but they don't have to be, you know, totally paranormal. They're just things that can't be explained in the book. Um, you're writing about um, things that have uh, beauty on top, but that overlays some ugliness and and uh, uh, disgusting stuff. Um, and that bubbles up through all the beauty in the book. It's usually set in the South. Um, and some other things going on with it is that the characters are usually eccentric, eccentric characters, usually a female in distress. There's usually this really um, corrupt authority figure, maybe like a father figure. And here you, with my books, you have Floyd, who's the epitome of a corrupt um, villain father figure. Republican. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he is a Republican. <laughs> Sorry. I, I said it. That's okay. Yeah, no, I'll say it too. And then um and then just just like that. But it's just this uh for example in Cattle Parish, Louisiana, where this is fictionally set on the parish, um that my understanding is that they had more lynchings in that parish than anywhere in the country. So you have that, right? But in over, overlaying that, you have the beauty, you know, the, the greenery, and then I'm, uh, also so about the settings on Southern Gothic. It's usually like swampy or, you know, rural areas and, and things like that. So, hmm. do, you, uh, do you think um, people really get the South or understand it? Um, that don't live there? No. No? Think people really get it, get it wrong? Um, I, I really think they do not understand the energy it takes to live in the South. For me, I'm speaking for myself as a black person or a person of color. Um, even today, right? I think that that it takes a lot of it takes a lot of energy to do that because there's always the like I said that duality that you have to be mindful of. You know, when I was growing up, maybe it's not that way now. I haven't been back in a long time. I went back for my aunt's funeral um, some years ago, but when I was growing up, there were some places you knew you just didn't go. I um, mean, we still had whites only signs on some of the places. Um, they made it clear where you weren't welcome. Um, I could, like, for example, when I came back for the Navy, I couldn't even cash a government check in a bank. You know, things like, things like that. Um, that just seems so weird. Yeah. Uh, weird. It just seems so, I, I don't understand it, you know, being from another country. Right. You know, I just don't get that. I mean, I understand, I guess, but it just sort of seems so, I, I don't know, just modern day. It just doesn't register. I don't get it. Well, and it's happening now. I think that people are feeling more free or freer to kind of those sentiments have not only bubbled up through that corrupt earth and then bubbled up through that beauty. 
it's now like they're becoming pillars, right? Yeah. You know, the, the critical race theory, you know, we can't talk about that anymore. Or the, you know, now it's becoming something that, um, you know, it's just becoming something that's kind of accepted. We can say this stuff. We can, we can say that we want to ban all these books, but they're mostly um, black books. We can say, you know, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's the, uh, you know, yeah. crazy. Are you a paranormal girl? Like, you into that sort of thing? Like, uh, those sort of, the, the voodoo and witchcraft and paranormal and all that? When I was younger. I, yeah. When I was younger, I wanted to be a paranormal psychologist. You know, that was a thing back then when I was growing mm. up in my teenage years. Yeah. yeah. I like it. So if you had experiences then, like especially in the South, is there like kind of weird ghosts and stuff like that you've come across? No, um, I have had, not when I was growing up, I just wanted to see if it was real, so it's more like from an exploratory scientific way. But it, as I've gotten older, I used to, I always have these premonitions. Do you want to, I don't know how much time I got, but. Oh, yeah, no, go for it. Don't worry. Yeah. So I'll give you this premonition that I had. I was staying at my um, in-laws' house in, uh, up here in Sacramento, in Elk Grove, California. That was after I moved out of Louisiana. And I went to bed, and all night long, I kept seeing water. And I kept seeing people drowning. This is my dreams. And I, I remember I had all these kids in my arms, and I would say, pick up one, another one would fall. I'd pick up them, and there was, everything was drowning. The, you know, the streets, the houses were getting smashed and everything. And there was just like one, I mean, not nightmares, right? Every night. One recurring dream each night. And then I woke up in the morning. It was Christmas Day. or Yeah, it was Christmas Day. I, and you can see where this is going. I woke up in the morning. I went downstairs, and I went, woo! I walked into the kitchen, and everybody was already up. And I said, man, did I have a weird dream about water and building collapsing and just drowning all night long. And I looked at the paper, and it was, and I believe it was Christmas Day or the day after, but I looked at the paper, and it said, that's when the tsunami happened. Wow. And I go, oh, here it is. And I picked it up. And my sister-in-law looked at me and said, you just scaring the crap out of me, Faye. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. It could have just been a coincidence. But I always wonder, what if it's not? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. This yeah. is uh so, you know, we've come to the end of the show, and you're absolute delicious guest. We've <laughs> just amazing. And, um you know, uh, like I said, if you, if you see her on the road, run. Okay. <laughs> you know, because we don't know if she's walking in the street. I mean, I or my dark side. Yeah, it's she's got the dark side. She's got dreams. She's waking up with blood and shovels, and and she can't remember fire things she's done and all sorts of stuff. And she's like, you know, seeing things. And this might be a little bit kind of, you know, it's all right to keep your distance. Now you can, but buy her book. It's yes. called A Killing Rain. It's the book we were talking about today. But, you know, there's a couple, and there's going to be four and all. Don't miss this. Um, and, of course, the writer is the uh, guest and um, the one we avoid. Faye Stoughton, thank you for being <laughs> on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, Faye. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.